8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Max Ryan, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Thoughts on the AFC-NFC Championship games yesterday? Should the NFL allow for a third quarterback, a non-active roster guy to be on the team? Essentially a, a 47th player to be on the roster. They can only play if one of the two active quarterbacks gets hurt. Used to be that was the case back in before 2011. Then the NFL allowed that 46 player to be whatever, whoever you wanted. Offensive lineman, cornerback. Most teams don't carry three quarterbacks game day. Not saying that San Francisco would have won yesterday. They probably wouldn't have won. But having somebody other than Christian McCaffrey or an injured Brock Purdy try to play quarterback would have at least given them somewhat of a fighting chance. Anyway, text or call us 970-242-1340. Andy Reid gets to face the team that fired him about a decade ago. That'll be fun. The Chiefs take on the Eagles coming up in two weeks. Uh, This morning, 9 o'clock hour, you'll have a chance to get a table for six people and 50 wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. If you can't make it to the big game in Phoenix, well, you can just go out to Mesa Mall to a Buffalo Wild Wings to take in the big game. Your chance to get qualified coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. All right, so text or call us 970-242-1340. And this hour brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial, who believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee country financial all right we'll have some sound coming up from um the games yesterday nfc and afc championship games the the bengals defensive lineman joseph osai who got called for the personal foul penalty on the hit on mahomes late that mahomes really the first time the game that he ran had to run at that point in time gets the first down gets shoved out of bounds and Osai was was inconsolable on the sidelines after the university got a little bit banged up and then just was inconsolable. His teammates, you know, guys like BJ Hill defending him. It wasn't and it wasn't all on him that they lost that football game. And also I don't don't want to be this guy, but I'm gonna be this guy. Orlando Brown got away with one. <laughs> On that play. He held Trey Hendrickson. They did not call it. And so, remember when Joey Bosa lost his mind a couple of weeks ago? You know, for you know this case where things are not being called in an effort to protect the quarterback. And pro football talk... They, they have the, the quote from NFL exec VP of football operations, Troy Vincent, that he admitted the officials overprotect quarterbacks because without healthy quarterbacks, the game stink. Oh, like the NFC championship game yesterday when their two quarterbacks got hurt and Christian McCaffrey had to play quarterback. Weird. And I'm not going to sit here and say that the Bengals got totally jobbed. Burrow didn't have his best game. But Orlando Brown did hold. <laughs> and they didn't call it. 
those uh, offensive line woes really caught up with Cincinnati yesterday. It was kind of a, a big point how well not only Chris Jones, but that entire defensive uh, unit in the front for Kansas City played. They were impressive. Yeah, I, th- I found it hard to believe that Jones had never had a postseason sack Dude's until yesterday. Double- and he had two. And of course, the, the second one was the huge one on Burrow late in the game when they were forced to punt. Doubled and triple teamed his entire yeah. career. That, that, yeah. that's, that's the reason why he's good. He's an all-pro. And look, the young guys played well at corner for them yesterday for, for Kansas City. Sky Moore, that, the return that he had on that after the Jones sack was huge. Set up field position. But Patrick Mahomes, man, I... Uh, the guy's good. You love to hate it, him. It, you know, I, I like him as an individual. You okay th- with the ketchup on steak thing? Uh, no, not my thing. But then again, I like ketchup on bratwurst and hot dogs, which some people think is very, you so, know. I guess there's one not, thing not, wrong. Not, with not good at all. I guess there's one do. thing wrong with the guy. Yeah, I'm not, to me, steak, no. No. Now, like when I was a kid, my mom would buy like the steakums and like the really, really bad, you know, just, would just do bad cuts of. Of meat, frozen that bear that barely qualified as something steakums, st- like steakums, you know, barely qualified as something in the steak family. Ketchup was usually necessary on those, or some A one. I'm with you, Buckeye and I. We've had a long discussion about A one. He loves it. What's it called? Brown gold. The brown gold. I I call it good way to mess up a really good piece of meat. <laughs> Crappy uh, cut. St- Slather it in A1. A nice porterhouse, T-bone ribeye. What are you doing? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Maybe maybe some sautéed mushrooms. I like sautéed mushrooms on a steak. Solid. But no, no no gravy, no A1, no ketchup. But I'm not going to hold that against Patrick Mahomes. Apparently, it, steak on ketchup, maybe that's that's the key ingredient for him being the kind of quarterback that he is. Who knows? I don't know. I think it's probably a lot of God-given talent, but that's... I don't think it's the steak, the ketchup on steak thing. But the high ankle sprain yesterday, usually, you know, it, it takes three weeks to recover from something like that. Sometimes even longer. He did it in roughly eight days. Where he went 29 of 43, 326, and two touchdowns yesterday. Harrison Butker gets the game-winning field goal with three seconds to go. You know, I thought Pacheco didn't have big rushing numbers yesterday. He was 10 carries, 26 yards. But he had five catches for 59 yards. Isaiah Pacheco definitely gives them gives their running game, both as a, a receiver out of the backfield and as a runner. Guy for a rookie plays, plays with an edge. Not fair. He's a really, really good player. How many weapons they have. Kid out of Rutgers that has has really emerged. You know, another rookie along with Sky Moore. Moore, like I said, had the big punt return that set up the eventual game-winning field goal. They've reinvented Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. They have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jarek McKinnon's a... Tyreek Hill leaving. Yeah, McKinnon's a big weapon out of the backfield, too. It's unfair. Yeah, yesterday, Travis Kelsey, we weren't sure how much... Or if all, Travis Kelsey was going to play because he had tweaked his back Friday at practice. Seven catches, 78 yards, touchdown. Good enough. 
Good enough for Travis Kelsey yesterday. Are we not talking about probably one of the top three tight ends in NFL history? Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah, not easily. I, I think there's there's zero doubt about that. So let's start with yesterday. We'll go to the NFC Championship game where Miles Sanders, a couple of touchdowns on the ground to lead the Eagles. Second down and five. Shotgun snap. Handoff goes to the running back. Sanders over the tackle, the 10, the 5, and he's in for the 13-yard touchdown run on the 14th play of the drive. And the Eagles have recaptured the lead with 1.36 to go before halftime. Another rushing touchdown for 1,000-yard back Miles Sanders. All right, that's Kevin Harlan, Westwood One, on the Team Sports Network from yesterday. And so for the Eagles, they get the 31-7 victory where they uh, they scored that, that initial touchdown. Niners got it tied up with McCaffrey's touchdown. Then the Eagles put uh, 14 on the, the scoreboard. The Josh Johnson fumble was was big because they got points off of that. They go on to win it 31-7. Jalen Hurts, numbers were not eye-popping like we see from him, but good enough, 15-25, to 121 through the air. He also rushed for a touchdown, 11 carries, 39 yards. Miles Sanders, 1,000-yard rusher, as Kevin Harlan referenced, 11 carries, 42 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Devontae Smith had two catches for 36 yards. A.J. Brown had four for 28. Overall, Niners did a pretty good job of, of limiting the, the top two receivers for the Eagles yesterday. So after the game, Jalen Hurts asked about how it feels to be going to the Super Bowl. And we put a lot of work in and had this opportunity, you know, Put a lot of work in, had this opportunity, and to be here, and you know, it's a moment that we want to enjoy as a team, um, reflecting on everything that we've been able to overcome to have this opportunity in front of us. You know, we want to take advantage of it. You know, want to take advantage of it. The the, the atmosphere tonight was amazing. Um, the fans showed up, the energy, all of it. So we need to bring that to AZ. All right, that courtesy of the Philadelphia Eagles website, by the way. Uh, the presser yesterday with Jalen Hurts for the Niners. Brock Purdy, 4-4, yards, got the elbow injury, got hit as he was throwing the ball. Josh Johnson came in, 7-13, 74 yards, but then he got knocked down and sustained a concussion, so he had to leave the game. So they tried to play Brock Purdy. Obviously couldn't throw the football. Christian McCaffrey played a little Wildcat quarterback. He went 0-1. Uh, throwing the football, he also had 15 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown yesterday. And uh, for the Niners, uh, Debo Samuel, three catches, 33 yards. George Kittle, three for 32. But uh, the Eagles did a nice job defensively in that game. When Purdy got hurt, they were kind of screwed, and it was not going to go the Niners' way, losing 31-7. to So Philadelphia, they punched their ticket to Super Bowl 57, just awaiting to see who is going to be the AFC representative as Kansas City gets the 23-20 win over Cincinnati. Burrowhead didn't happen yesterday as uh, Joe Burrow. It wasn't like he had the worst game of his career or anything. He 26-41-270, touchdown and a couple of picks. But um, from a rushing standpoint, Chiefs did a nice job of really shutting the door on Joe Mixon in the running game. Mixon just had eight carries for 19 yards in that game. Burrow was the leading rusher, four carries for 30 yards. T. Higgins had six catches for 83 yards, and Jamar Chase had six for 75. Higgins had the, the touchdown catch yesterday. But it was came down to Chris Jones with the big sack on Joe Burrow. That led to the punt. Sky Moore with a big return that got the ball at near midfield. 
Patrick Mahomes goes on a scramble, gets hit by Osei out of bounds, 15 additional yards, setting the scene for Harrison Butker with roughly three seconds left. Eight seconds left. Pardon me, eight seconds left. Thank you, Ian. James Winchester will snap it. Tommy Townsend to hold it. We are tied at 20. 45-yard attempt. Looking for the lead. Bucker. Snap. Placement. Bucker's kick. He's got it! Kansas City in front with three seconds remaining. The Chiefs 23, the Bengals 20. A late hit on Cincinnati sets up Kansas City for a potential game winner. All right, so there was three seconds left. Then there's the kickoff, the laterals, and the game came to an end. And so after the game, Patrick Mahomes talking about playing on that bad ankle. I didn't expect to be able to run very much um, just from the way it felt, but uh, the training staff, Julie, did a great job of uh, getting me enough range of, uh, and mobility that I was able to protect myself. And at the end of the game there, I had to run to, to get the first down, and we were, it got us into field goal range. So uh, uh, credit to them, and then uh, just trying to stay on it. And uh, we have two more weeks, so we got to keep doing it. All right, Patrick Mahomes, 29 of 43, 326, two touchdowns yesterday. He also uh, rushed three times for eight yards, but that one rush, that final rush for the first down, Osei hits him late out of bounds, personal foul penalty, gives Butker the chance to kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, the, the 10 carries for 26 yards yesterday, but Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the former Packer with a huge game yesterday, Six catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, seven for 78, and a touchdown as well. And Pacheco had the five for 59 yesterday as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs head to the Super Bowl coming up in two weeks in Phoenix when they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. First time these two teams will ever meet. It will be their first meeting ever in Super Bowl history. Coming up, we'll give you a chance to win with the number game. Jim along with Max today. The good, the bad, the ugly from the weekend. Send it to us. Text or call us 970-242-1340. Let's uh, talk Broncos coaching search, which according to um, Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, that the Broncos informed Raheem Morris, David Shaw, Jim Caldwell, and Ajiro Vero that they were looking, they were going another direction in their coaching search. Okay. Because there was a lot of talk that David Shaw, former Stanford coach, was a guy that, with his ties to Condoleezza Rice, minority owner on the team, that that Shaw seemed like a guy that had maybe a bit of an inside track. Then we also heard about D'Amico Ryans, San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. That he was a guy that the Broncos, and they interviewed him out in San Francisco before the divisional round, they really liked what they heard from D'Amico Ryans. Well, it sounds like D'Amico Ryans... It's probably going to go back to where he played, go to Houston to be the Texans' next head coach. So, what does this mean when you hear this story? And maybe you heard the story over the weekend. Remember when Jim Harbaugh was done, right? Out out of consideration, uh, Michigan's president, uh, Santa Ono, said that, you know, welcoming Harbaugh back to coach the Wolverines once again. And... And there was you know, the meeting between Ono and Harbaugh that 
you know, I said, led to the tweet that, that Harbaugh was going back to Michigan. Well, according to the Denver Post, Broncos CEO Greg Penner actually met with Harbaugh in Ann Arbor in the middle of last week. And that meeting, sources said, did not result in a job offer for Harbaugh, who still expected to remain at Michigan. But it kind of sounds like Greg Penner went out there to say, are you sure, Jim? Are you sure you want to go back to Michigan? Love to have you in Denver. The first time, remember, the meeting was conducted virtually. But this was Pitter going out there, going out to Ann Arbor to talk to him. That can only lead you to think that they they still want Jim Harbaugh, or at least they're still interested in Jim Harbaugh. And does this mean that Sean Payton is going to be the guy? Because you just whacked most of your candidates that you've actually talked to. But then there's the other guys whose names are now floating around. Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon. Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Brian Callahan, Bengals OC, who has ties previously at the Broncos, was on their staff years ago. And then there's Sean Payton, who, you know, suppose there's the report that Payton had issues with one of the one of the folks on the search committee. This was thought to be maybe Condoleezza Rice because she wanted Harbaugh, she wanted David Shaw, but it sounded like it might have been Greg Pinner that but then again, is that all just a smoke screen? Is that somebody throwing that out out there that's still interested in Peyton to be a head coach? Another team, George, one of our listeners, offered up that thought the other day, that they planted that because Peyton quickly denied it, said I didn't I got along with everybody fine. I enjoyed the meeting. It was it was great talking with the Broncos ownership group. That they're trying to throw a, a wrench in the whole process of the Broncos maybe getting Sean Payton. The spycraft, the tools of the trade, exactly. of NFL front offices on display in yeah. Denver. So this Harbaugh news is kind of out of left field and interesting because it seemed like that was done. That was over. Harbaugh was first one out. But Greg Pinner took the time to fly to Ann Arbor to talk to him. Why are you doing that with for a guy that supposedly is out of the job, out of the out of the search, out of the process? Is Harbaugh's name back back in the conversation now? It makes you wonder, right? And according to this report, it was just Pinner. Nobody else went. You get a feeling that the Greg Pinner is, is he the one trying to be the one that's going to make the decision on this? Even though it's Rob Walton, principal owner of the team, Condoleezza Rice has been involved. Obviously, George Payton, Broncos GM, has been involved in this process as well. But it, you just get the feeling that Greg Pinner is the guy that's going to make the decision here. It just. It just has that feel to it, at least in my opinion. And will some of these other names pop up? I mean, there are as far as an actual, there's been no report that the Broncos have actually interviewed, for example, Brian Callahan. Because if Denver's going to hire someone that had been a head coach previously, Sean Payton's 
and Harbaugh are the only two guys in that mix now. And Harbaugh is not officially in it because Callahan's not been a head coach. Gannon's not been a head coach. That's the real question. Yeah, because it seemed like that was what they were, they were, their goal was to bring in somebody with previous head coaching experience. I think they want to avoid what happened with Nathaniel Hackett at all costs. Well, it'd be their fourth first-time head coach. But now, how do you... It's hard to interpret this because all of a sudden you're hearing more about Jonathan Gannon, Brian Callahan, both guys interviewed for the job last year. I mean, Dan Quinn tapped out. He's staying with the Cowboys. This is... The search has been an interesting one because you, you, you feel like you know who they've talked to and who they really kind of want until you don't, right? <laughs> it makes no sense. Until you go, well, wait a minute. Thought that they like fill in the blank. It's an episode of The Bachelor. Who is I, the Rose Gitter? I, I've said before, the longer it takes, the less I think it's Sean Payton. Now I'm not so sure that's right. I'm not sure I'm right about that. It's going to be a huge story, no matter what yeah. happens in a couple of weeks here with the NFL. It's going to be one of the dominating storylines as soon as the offseason hits its stride in the NFL. And it's always a big yeah. part of the sports calendar year. This will be a dominant story. It'll be in the headlines almost every time, every week, until the Broncos figure it out. And just like you said, Jim, there will be no timetable. This is going to possibly drag on for as long as the Walton Penner ownership group wants it to. They're going to try to get it right. They're going to try to get a guy in there with head coaching experience. That's what Russ wants. That's, they want somebody that Russ can not only bond with, but also probably respect on an experience level. Yeah. And look with, with Dan Quinn, who knew Russ when Dan Quinn was the D.C. in Seattle. The thought it was going to be a guy like Daryl Bevel. Brian Schottenheimer's name was mentioned, but then there was supposedly, I guess there was friction between Russ and Schottenheimer that a lot of us didn't know about, but had good years of Daryl Bevel as his, his OC. There was the thought that that combination might come to Denver. That's obviously not going to happen. It's just weird. <laughs> it's just, you don't, you don't know what direction they're going to go. You, they, they have done it. I'll give Denver credit for this. They've done a great job of playing poker because I don't know what their hand is. I, I don't I don't know what, what hand they're going to play here. Is it going to be Sean Payton? Maybe. Don't. It's, it's gone from, eh, I don't think so, to, well, it's decent likelihood it could be Sean Payton now. I don't, could it be Jim Harbaugh? We thought Jim Harbaugh was done. Well, it looks like maybe Jim Harbaugh might still be in the running for this job. I don't understand. As Denver, you know, lined up like they are, it should be a destination for people. People should be wanting to come coach in Denver. And and I think there are guys that want the job. I think that they they're very focused. They've they've got internally they've got their guy that they want. Or their two guys that they want. We're just not sure who those guys are. Like I think it's probably Sean Payton's gotta be one of those guys, right? I would think so. The way things have gone. Oh, it's crazy. It's bizarre. All right. Uh, we do know this much that the Broncos, with what happened yesterday with the Niners, they will pick 29th in the first round because it was dependent on how the Niners finished. Denver will have the 29th pick in the first round of the draft, assuming that pick doesn't go to the New Orleans Saints for Sean Payton or 
something else happens. It's a, it's a steep asking price. <laughs> it, it, it really is for, for Sean Payton. And one other thing, Indomitian Sue. He's going to play in a Super Bowl with his third different team. So remember, he's on, he's bench guy for the Eagles, comes off the bench, pass rusher. And Indomitian Sue played for the Rams in their Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. And then played for the Buccaneers and their win over the Chiefs. So this will be the third different team for Indomitian Sue that he'll play for in the Super Bowl. All right, 824, Jim along with Max today. Text your calls, 970-242-1340. Let's get to a couple of your texts today. The good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday. Robert, uh, the good. Time to rally around division rival and wish them the best of luck in the Super Bowl. Right, team? Uh, really? Really, Robert? I'm I'm, I'm not going to cheer the Chiefs on. I'm not going to do that. I've never been this... Well, it's the AFC West, and I'm no Eagles fan either, okay? I'm not, I just, I just, as a Broncos fan, it was tough to pick the Chiefs yesterday, but I was trying to catch Buckeye, had to do it, mission accomplished. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and buy, never buy Chiefs gear. I never buy Raiders gear, Charger gear. I, I haven't I haven't owned gear from another team. I had a Carolina Panthers sweatshirt the first year in the league because I thought the logo looked cool. Wasn't a Panthers fan. I just liked the sweatshirt. It looked cool. That's like the only other gear I've ever had for another team. So I'm not going to be no I'm not going to be rooting for them. Coach Shanahan's decision to not challenge the flag for that non-catch by A.J. Brown early in the game. The Let's see. The ugly. We lost out on a good game because of Brock Purdy's freak injury and denied more good football because of the late hit on quarterback Mahomes. The viewing public was robbed. They were robbed because you're not allowed to have a third quarterback. <laughs> From Dylan, the good, the avalanche, the bad, and the ugly, the uh, officiating the Bengals-Chiefs game. Mike and Scottsdale, good morning, muchachos, the ugly. If cake is in the building, does the Buffs loss in Corvallis on Saturday provide a sufficient nail for the NCAA tournament coffin? He's here, and I'll bring it up. He's working over on Magic this morning. Mike, I'll bring that up. The bad, the Niners quarterback debacle, like a one-legged man at a bleep-kicking contest. McCaffrey's beast mode run was awesome, though. The good, the job the officiating crew did in Kansas City yesterday. Sincerely, Durango Referees Union. Oh. Jared this morning. For how the Chiefs got every crucial call yesterday, I think New York was more concerned about the Bengals not going to the Super Bowl for some reason. Was more concerned about the Bengals not going to the Super Bowl for some reason. There was... A lot of penalties yesterday on the Bengals. Some of them looked looked fi- looked fine to me. Didn't think it was bad. Some eh. then there was the Orlando Brown non call on the hold, going the other way for against what should have gone against Kansas City on the Mahomes run, and then the subsequent personal foul, the late hit that set up the game winning field goal. They definitely got away with one there. All right, 828. It's time to play the number game today. 
Let's play the number game on the Jim Davis Show. All right, the answer is always a number. Keep that in mind. Doing a case of Coors Original, the banquet beer from High Country Beverage. Must be 21 or older. And if you won the last two weeks, please set it out. Okay? So it's always a number. So don't text in Chiefs or Eagles. Because that's not the question. Or that's not the answer to the question. Including this Super Bowl. One coming up in two weeks. How many times combined have the Eagles and Chiefs been to the Super Bowl? This is combined, including Super Bowl 57. How many times combined have the Chiefs and the Eagles played in the Super Bowl? First correct answer on the text line today on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Win a case of Coors Original, the banquet beer from our friends at High Country Beverage. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me! The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with Max Ryan today. Max, I appreciate you filling in on the program this morning, so thank you so much. Good to be here, Jim. Good to have you here. Good weekend for the Maverick men's basketball team. Unfortunately, the women uh, could not pick up the victory against uh, Western Colorado on Saturday, but the Maverick men, well, their 10-game winning streak snapped in that loss uh, Tuesday at Westminster, came back with a vengeance on Saturday. 82-46, to beating Western Colorado. Mountaineers are not having a good season the Mavericks, number 16 team in the nation, heading into the weekend. And Blaze threw another great performance, 25 points, 6 rebounds for Blaze. Had a couple of assists in that game and 2 steals. Trevor Baskin, 16 points, 6 rebounds. He also had 3 steals in the game the other night for Colorado Mesa as the Maverick men improve on the season to 16-4 and overall. They're now 11-3 and in conference play. And after the game on Saturday night, Dave Yonke, Colorado Mesa Sports Information Director had the chance to talk with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge. Yeah, I'm with head coach Mike DeGeorge. Coach, that back half of the first half, your defense kind of went away. It really turned up in the second half. I, I believe you held Western scoreless, or not scoreless, without a field goal for the last 11, 12 minutes and change. Yeah, I, I wasn't too happy at halftime. That was not a very good effort, particularly coming off a loss. You expect our group and having more pride in terms of how they respond to what happened on Tuesday. So the second half was a great response, and we'll move on from there. But uh, a little disappointing first half. Yeah, and then you, had, you got a big offensive effort from Blaze Street, among others, in that second half. Just kind of got, when they got their shot, everything seemed to go in. Yeah, once our energy got right, you know, then everything uh, started flowing. And then we got out in transition and, you know, really good in transition. And we just have to be putting more pressure on our opponents all the time. And so it's great to see us doing that in the second half. And that's the result is, you know, our defense picks up, our offense gets out and run, and it just energizes the whole building. Yeah, and then looking ahead, you got you got a stretch of home games here. T- two more next weekend with Regis and UCCS coming up. What do you got to do better heading into those those games? Well, this time of year, a lot of teams start to get complacent, and I really think February is the key to March. And if you can take that next step forward and not just sort of be complacent with where you are, those are the teams that are going to perform the best in March. At the same time, 
you know, it's a long grind, and we have to be able to manage their legs and, and keep them fresh both mentally and physically. So it's a huge stretch for us not only to get back in the hunt for a conference championship, but also to manage everything for March. Thanks for the time, Coach. Congrats on the win. Greg, back up to you. Thank All right. That was Dave Yonke with uh, Maverick men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge. We'll talk with Mike on tomorrow's Mav Day on the Jim Davis Show, so make sure you join us for that tomorrow. And so you look at the standings right now in the RMAC after this past weekend. Black Hills State, 12-1, and that one loss coming to Colorado Mesa on their home floor. They're 18-1 overall. Colorado School of Mines, Mavericks still have a game with the Ore Diggers coming up, 13-2 and in conference, 19-2 and overall. Fort Lewis, they have two losses. One of those is against Colorado Mesa. They're 12-2 and and an overall record of 18-2. and And then the Mavericks right now with that 11-3 and mark, 16-4 and in conference play. Mentioned UCCS and Regis coming up. UCCS, they're 7-7 seven and seven right now in conference, 13-8. and eight. So if the uh, RMAC tournament started today, UCCS would be in. Likewise for Regis, who is also 7-7, seven and 10-10 seven, ten and ten overall. So a couple of teams are fighting to uh, solidify their spots in the back half of the RMAC tournament. Uh, they'll be in town this weekend, Regis on Friday. UCCS on Saturday. You can hear both the men's and women's games. Right here on the Team CMU Sports Network, brought to you by Ken Richards, State Farm Insurance. Now for the Maverick women's basketball team, they uh, came up short, lost a heartbreaker, an absolute heartbreaker to Western on Saturday, 61-60. to And they were led by Josie Stedman, who had a, a great game off the bench for the Maverick women. She had 15 points and three rebounds. Monica Brooks with a double-double, 10 points and 10 rebounds. And... Uh, um, also for the Mavericks, uh, they got nine points from Laura Gutierrez, who uh, hit three threes in the game after the game. Dave Yonke had the chance to talk with Maverick women's basketball coach uh, Taylor Wagner about the loss, the heartbreaking loss, to Western Colorado on Saturday. I mean, that's what we wanted, a defensive stop. I wanted to see what we were made of, and we got the bad shot. We didn't get the rebound, and, you know, they got to put back. And that's the thing. You got to finish the plays out. and. It's unfortunate for our girls because I thought they battled back. You know, and I, I think in that third quarter there at the media timeout, you, you looked at Kylie Kravick and you said, Wagstaff already has her average. She made one basket after that. Just talk about the effort from, from Kylie in, the, yeah, in that she, second half. She stepped it up in the second half, and we needed that. We were giving them too many easy buckets, everything they wanted, and, and we just need to make it a little bit more difficult for them. And then offensively, you get a, you get a career night from Josie Stedman. Played sparingly kind of throughout the year, but once she got her shot tonight, it went in. Yeah, you know, I mean, she was ready, and that, that's what everybody needs to be able to do. It's hard coming off the bench, but I thought she played phenomenal, and she actually kept us in the game for about 35 minutes, so she did a phenomenal job. Coach, thanks for the time. Greg, back up to you. Thank you very much, Dave. Right, Greg Wenzel, along with, of course, uh, Dave Yonke from Saturday's broadcast. And uh, as far as the standings right now for the women, Colorado School of Mines, they're 13 and 2, 17 and 3 overall. Regis, who comes in on Friday night, 12 and 2. They're 15 and 5 in conference play. Black Hill State, they're 11 and 2, 16 and 3. As far as UCCS, right now uh, they're in the mix for the RMAC uh, postseason tournament. They're 7 and 7, 8 and 12 overall. Colorado Mesa, this is a big one coming up this weekend. Mavericks are a game behind both CSU Pueblo and UCCS. Mavericks. Uh, with that loss to CSU Pueblo earlier in the season, Mavericks are seven and thirteen overall, six and eight in conference. So that's a, a bit, it's a big weekend coming up for the Maverick basketball teams, uh, for the women in particular, with uh, where they are right now, just on the outside looking in when it comes to the RMAC tournament. Uh, actually, 
Yes, they would be there on the outside at the moment, just behind CSU Pueblo and UCCS. So uh, once again, we'll have coverage of both uh, Regis and UCCS with the Maverick men and women Friday and Saturday here on the Team Sports Network. So 839, Jim along with uh, Max Ryan today. And it's uh, time to uh, take a look at our prep stars and Mighty Mavs from this past weekend. And let's see, do you have the open for that, Max? I don't think you I don't think you probably have it, do you? Oh, let me <laughs> let me double check. Okay. No, sir. No. <laughs> That's okay. So we'll just go ahead and go with our, our prep stars and mighty mavs. Start out with uh, our uh, prep stars for the central girls basketball team. Uh Christina Manzanares. Uh, actually both our uh, prep stars are from Central Basketball uh, today and for Christina Manzanares who is out for a while with an injury she has come back with a vengeance uh, for the uh, Central girls she had 19 points she had four three-pointers in Central's win over Eagle Valley on Saturday and our uh, male prep star Central Basketball player Jackson Amos he had 20 points he had four threes in the uh, Warrior Boys win over Eagle Valley so those are our uh, Male or female and male prep stars of the week. As far as Mighty Mavs go, got a couple of uh, track and field standouts for the uh, Maverick um, track and field team, the indoor team, and uh, for the uh, Maverick uh, men. I'm looking for when well, I had my my information here. Here we go for the Maverick men. Mateo Casados or um, Casados, excuse me, Mateo Casados. Uh, he's a sophomore. And he won the 60 meter dash and the 200 meters for the uh, Maverick. And he won the 60 yard dash, excuse me, for the Maverick men. So Mateo Casados and then Sierra Arsenault. She was the winner of the 200 meters for the Maverick women. So uh, both of those athletes over at Colorado Mesa, they are our uh, mighty Mavs from this past week. And congratulations to them. All right, it's 841, and it's time for Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service. Good call, bad call. Oops, try that again. Good call, bad call. Was that a good call, or did they totally blow it? It's good call or bad call. All right, so as far as our uh, Browns Cremation Funeral Service, good call, bad call. By the way, call Browns Cremation for your funeral services. Get those things taken care of in advance. Don't leave that uh, on your on the you know, burden for your loved ones to have to deal with that after your passing, or if you have someone in your family that uh, maybe a elderly family member that you need to get their preparations done, do that. At Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service. Uh, let's let's just go with the bad call. There was some from the Kansas City Cincinnati game, and one was a crucial no call, bad call, no call. I guess in this case, Orlando Brown not getting called for holding on the run by Patrick Mahomes, which led to the personal foul, the late hit, which led to the Harrison Butker field goal. Bad call, no call, and that should have happened on Orlando Brown holding uh, Hendrickson. Yeah, indicative really of the entire season for the NFL referees. It's been a tough one, and then something like that happens. You know, Jim, most any given play, a lot of stuff could be called. And when it's not on a crucial one like that, it becomes even more evident that sometimes it's just not enough. And if you have so much technology, use it. That's, yep. But they didn't see it. They didn't call it. So it leads to the opportunity for Butker to hit the game-winning field goal. Do you have something? Uh, yeah, it was it was that, sir. There was the bad call of the, the Joseph Osai uh, doing just just that. Um, but even worse call for me, sir, is the uh, first touchdown the Eagles scored yesterday against the San Francisco 49ers. That decision not to challenge that play 
was a tone setter for the entire game and whether it was a lack of time or just the lack of want to on the 49ers coaching staff that established the Eagles uh, in the offensive side of the ball. They were able to keep rolling after that. That's my bad call for the day, Jim. Uh, nobody doing anything on the San Francisco 49ers uh, sideline about that call whatsoever. When you have people up, upstairs looking at it, and maybe they didn't get the right viewpoint, And but you know, kudos to Devontae Smith. That could be the other side, a good call. He gets up. He calls for a huddle immediately. They're on the ball. They snap it. No chance for the 49ers. They steal a touchdown and get that momentum in a very important uh, NFC Championship game. All right, we have a winner today for the number game. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. And congratulations to Scott today. Scott had the correct answer. The number of times, including this upcoming Super Bowl, that the Chiefs and Eagles will have played in a Super Bowl nine times. This will be the fifth time for KC, the fourth time for Philadelphia. Congratulations to Scott. We will take a break. We'll come back. And up next, we'll talk with Fruit of Monument Boys basketball coach Jay Kagira. You're listening to the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com. Stay by the radio. You are listening to the Jim Davis Show on the Team 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. Welcome back, 847. Jim, along with Max Ryan today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And uh, coming up next hour, your chance to get qualified for that table to watch the big game at Buffalo Wild Wings. Text or call us 970-242-1340. And uh, time to talk a little Fruit of Monument Wildcats boys basketball. Wildcats coming off the win over Durango on Saturday. With us right now, Jake Aguirre, Wildcats head coach, and our conversation with Jake Aguirre brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Jake, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing fine. Doing fine. A good win for your basketball team over Durango. You get the 75-31 to victory. Uh, Daniel Thomason had, had 17 points in that game. But uh, another league win for your basketball team, and Always nice get a little home cooking chance to get that uh, win on your home floor this last weekend. Yeah, it was nice. Um, you know, we were pretty bummed out Friday when Eagle Valley couldn't make it up, but um, you know, so the boys were were fresh and ready to go, and and you know, we just told them how important it is to to uh, win these league games and to play well in these league games, and and you know, they they took that and and they. They played a great team game on Saturday. Mentioned Daniel Thomason with the 17 to lead you. Uh, who else really stood out for you in that win on Saturday? You know, um, I, I mean, we have guys like Logan Cardoza goes kind of, you know, unseen out of the stat book, but uh, he does such a great job for us on the defensive end, um, rebounding the ball. Um, playing, playing their post players. I mean, he, he does a really good job. Max Orchard always, um, you know, he just does a great job. He's, I kind of say he's like our trash man. He, he's cleaning up stuff, and he kind of gets, you know, six, eight points. You don't even really know it. Um, but but he, does, he does a really nice job out there on the defensive side of the floor, pushing the ball. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty good team effort for us. 
you've now won eight straight games. And some of the things that you, while well, you've, you've won eight straight and maybe would have won nine if Eagle Valley, if you would have the chance to play them. Uh, so, some of the positives during this win streak, things you really like what you're seeing from your team, Jake, but maybe some things that still need to be cleaned up. Let's go with the, the, the good and the bad, uh, the, the positives and the negatives of what you've seen during this, this uh, eight-game winning streak. Um, you know, the positive things that we see is when the boys come into the gym, they're still happy to be there. Um, you know, it's, sometimes these things can wear on you and it becomes more of a stressful thing, but these guys are, are playing the game um, that we love and they're playing it with, with, you know, their buddies. And so it's good to see that. We, we've got to clean up some turnovers um, and some stuff defensively still that we see that, that uh, we don't like, you know, throughout the games. But, but for the most part, we just want the boys to stay, to stay engaged and, and to understand they're doing something special and, uh, you know, to not take their eyes off of, off of that, you know, too much. We're, we're all doing something special. We're doing it for each other. So that's really great, too. Jake Aguirre, coach of the Fruit Monument Wildcats boys basketball team with us on the Team Sports Network uh, Tuesday night. You have Grand Junction at your place. Big rivalry matchup uh, with the Tigers in the Southwestern League. Uh, they're 6-10 right now. Uh, Will Applegate, their sophomore, has been their leading scorer, leading rebounder, a uh, young man that's uh, known for what he does in the baseball field and also the football field, but has developed into a, a pretty solid low-post low player right now, Jake for Isaac Madison and Grand Junction. Yeah, they do a good job with him. We understand. Um, we understand. You know, they, they got some big guys all over the place on that team, and so we understand that. We understand, you know, what it's going to be, you know, since we were part of it last year. We understand what it, hopefully what it'll be like in the in the gym on Tuesday. And, um, you know, that's a lot of fun, just how crazy those games are. But, um, you know, hopefully we, we can defend them together um, and, and, you know, play well enough offensively to get them. We understand that, you know, that their record doesn't mean anything coming to this game. Um, it's, it's a rival. It's, it's going to be a tough one all the way through. And along with Applegate, Andon Tau gives them size up front as well. He's averaging almost six points per game, about five rebounds a contest. So they they do have size. You got Daniel Thomason. How do you combat? Maybe if they're playing, if they go really big with those two guys, Applegate and Tau inside. How do you combat that? You know, we're just going to have. You know, we we we're pretty sizable as well. We have some guys coming off the bench that are pretty good size. Ian Summers does a great job in the post, and so. Um, you know, we will have to be aware of what's going on inside there and, and hopefully we can stay out of foul trouble and, and, you know, close in on those things together. And, and like I said, man, we play, we try not to worry, focus on one guy on, you know, one guy on one guy. We try to focus on the team guarding the ball and protecting the hoop. So hopefully we'll do that well enough tomorrow. Wildcats head coach Jake Aguirre with us on the Team Sports Network. And then from a perimeter standpoint, Cam Ochoa has uh, been their best three-point shooter. He's a guy that you have to make sure you, you take care of at the three-point line. Absolutely. And and we, we've, you know, we've seen him a few times. We understand that we try not to give up too many of those shots with anybody, let alone the good shooter. So 
you know, like I said, hopefully we can close in on that and, and not give him opportunities to get himself going and get their team excited about it. All right, we'll have coverage tomorrow night of Fertile Monument and Grand Junction, also Central and Montrose. It's our full-court coverage. Starts at 5.15. We'll have girls and boys action for you on the Team Sports Network tomorrow night, brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Jake, I appreciate the time this morning. Good luck against the Tigers tomorrow night. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Jake Aguirre, coach of the Fruit Monument boys basketball team. Right now undefeated in league play. Had that uh, big win at Montrose last Tuesday to uh, upend the uh, defending league champion uh, Montrose Red Ox. Fruita right now, they're 15-1 and one on the season. And uh, for Fruita, their only loss coming to Meade, 80-63 to back uh, in the middle of uh, December. So uh, they have put together so that eight-game winning streak heading into this one tomorrow night against Grand Junction. Tigers come in 6-10 and ten on the season. And for the Fruita girls, they look to uh, maintain their lead in the Southwestern League taking on a Tigers team that just continues to, to struggle and try to find their way under uh, Sidney Brandon, their first-year head coach. All right, so that's coming up tomorrow night. Once again, Fruita Grand Junction, Central Montrose. And uh, for you Montrose Red Hawk fans, you can catch your uh, Red Hawk basketball team in, uh, in the Montrose area to 102.1 FM. But, of course, here in the Valley, 101.1 FM and 1340 AM for full-court coverage tomorrow night with uh, all that action. All right, if you're not sure what full court is, if you've ever watched NFL Red Zone, it's kind of our basketball version of that where you bounce back and forth between all the action that's going on tomorrow night here in the Grand Valley. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Hour 3. Text or call the show today. We'll make sure list of the good, the bad, the ugly. Text or call us at 970-242-1340. That's the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line. Check us out online at theteam1340.com. 